grace, peace, and blessings, beloved, in the name of our risen, redeeming, and returning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. I greet you this morning with Jesus' joy. Certainly grateful and thankful to have another Tuesday to connect with you to walk through God's word. Of course, as the word of God declares, this is the day that the Lord hath made. And of course, we are rejoicing and we are glad in the blessing of the day. Want to invite you now to let's get ready to walk through God's word as we continue in our word walk through the book of Leviticus. Uh, we are going to take somewhat of a turn today as we continue in our study of this particular book as we have been looking at our sights on spiritual standards. Last week, we wrapped up our discussion of the atonement. And so uh, today we're going to begin yet another uh, course of study. We're going to take a look at another uh, standard and the Old Testament book of Leviticus. This one is going to be a little lengthy. It's going to take us to chapter 23 of the book of Leviticus. But before we get started, let's take a moment. Let's pray. Let's seek God's guidance and God's direction. And let's ask him to be with us as we walk through the word of God together. Join me now. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for what you continue to do in our lives. God, we are mindful of your goodness. We are forever grateful for your presence and for your power. God, today, as I stand before your people, I realize that I have studied, I have prepared, but God, only you know what needs to be said. So God, I yield my will to your will. I ask now that you would speak to me and speak through me. As always, give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought that we will rightly divide your word to these, your people. Thank you for this chance and for every chance. In Jesus' name we pray and we praise. Amen and amen. As always, good to be with you. Let's, let's jump right in. As I shared with you, we are taking uh, a turn, if you will, uh, another standard. We've dealt with several standards thus far. Last week, we wrapped up our standard on forgiveness, dealing with the atonement, man being restored to a right relationship with God. Today, we're going to continue, but we're going to sort of take a transition as we look at Leviticus chapter number 17. Um, we're going to begin a special study uh, that's going to, as I forestated, that's going to carry us through chapter 23 that deals with the next standard, the standard of practical holiness, practical holiness. We, we've already seen that God now has forgiven them. They have a new beginning. Um, he has set some standards in place as it relates to being in a right relationship and having a right relationship with him. So now he begins to say that now that you understand your relationship, now that you have this right relationship, I need to now make sure that you move forward in this new beginning, not only talking it, but living it, not only having the instruction but now we move from instruction to implementation. We actually see God at this particular point showing the people of God this very thought. And I need you to hold on to this because you're going to hear me say this several times in our study between chapter 17 to 23. Here it is. It's a five word uh, declaration. It's simply this. Holiness is a practical thing. Holiness is a practical thing. It is not a denomination. Mm. It, it is not just a word that describes what we do um, in the church. Holiness is our move to live a life that brings glory and honor to God. In other words, if I could tie chapter 16 into our lesson moving forward, it would basically say, God is saying, now that I have given you a right relationship with me, I need to make sure that you are practicing the things that show the right relationship. 
So in the point of introduction today, I want to sort of introduce this lesson uh, by just sharing a couple of things. And I, and I want to make sure that we have an understanding of this particular portion of the Word of God. Chapter 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and 22 cover this next piece of understanding practical holiness. It's not about what we say, but more about what we do. If we say we're holy, does our actions show our holiness? So there are a few things that I want to make sure that you see. Let's go ahead and deal with those real quickly. If you have the handout, um, you'll see point number one under the introduction. This section of scripture deals with the divine order of God as it relates to three things. Number one, it deals with the reconciliation of man. In other words, man now has been restored. Man now has a right relationship with God. Man now has an understanding of who he is in God. Man now has an understanding of how he got to where he is with God. And so now that he is there, he is now wanting to make sure that the people understand that once you have this right relationship, once you have been reconciled, it needs to be seen in your actions. So that's going to be one of the things that we see in these next few chapters as we see God giving outlines for them to practice holiness. All right. And I'm going to I'm going to make this live between Old and New Testament. I'm going to make this live to us today because the same principles that were given to them then apply to us now. So I want us to see that. The second thing that we're going to see uh, in this particular uh, section of scripture is not only the reconciliation of man, but secondly, we're going to see the sanctity of man. What is it that draws man to not only want to be right, but stay right? What, what is it that draws mankind to not only want to be right, hear me now, but stay right? It's not enough for us to just be right. It's not just enough for us to have a relationship with God. It's not just enough for us to come to church every Sunday. It's not just enough for us to go and give the preacher our hand, but let's make sure that we've given God our hearts. And when we deal with the sanctity of man, that basically says that I have given God my life. I have surrendered my life to God, and I want to God to govern every step that I make. The sanctity of man, sanctity, sanctified, set apart. What sets man apart now that he has this re revived, repaired, restored, and renewed relationship with Jesus Christ, or in this case, with God? And then third and finally, we're going to take a look at the holy living of man. Once you get it right, once you stay right, thirdly, let's make sure you act right. Amen, somebody. Let's make sure that we're acting right. It's, it's not enough for us to just talk the talk, beloveds. We're in a time now where we need to see the importance of walking the walk. We need to see the importance of letting our lights so shine. Isn't that what Jesus taught us? Before men, that they will see our good works and give glory to the Father which is in heaven. I want God to be glorified by my life. I want God to be glorified by my living. I just don't want to talk a good game. I want God to be glorified in everything I do. In everything I say, God, I want you to be glorified. So we're going to talk about that um, in this particular section, section of scripture. Point number two of the introduction shares with us the whole means of holiness. All right. Uh, let's put that up on the screen. Point number two, this passage of scripture stresses to us the understanding that holiness is a matter of two things. So it's a matter of two things. Look at it. The first thing is it is a matter of principles. Principles, knowing what should be done, knowing what should be done, knowing the, the, the keys, the instruction, which really, if I could stop here and just say, that's why this particular 
uh, chapter, chapter 17 in particular, is so important because if I could connect it with the lesson, this particular chapter, uh, Bible scholars and Bible teachers teach us that it is the transitional chapter. This is the point of transition. So if you look at it, and I'm going to show it to you here in just a moment, if you look at the first verses of chapter 16, and then look at the first verses of chapter 17, you'll begin to see that this is going to transition here. All right, Leviticus chapter one through chapter 16 has been um, instructions that dealt with the worship of God through sacrifice and the cleanliness of the individual before they participate in worship, all right? When you get to chapter 17, chapter 17 produces the transition that lifts us to chapter 18 all the way through chapter 27, which is going to see that as we have dealt with the worship in the first 16 verses, actions, attitude, atmosphere, we see in chapter 18 that it deals more with the individual which really brings us back to the point of this particular passage of scripture. Understanding, beloveds, that it's one thing for me to know Bible, but it's something else for me to live Bible. I want to say that again. It's one thing for me to know the book. It's one thing for me to know what's written on the letter of the book, but it's something else when I live the book. And that's the piece that I believe that is going to really help us understand that our relationship with God, holiness is not just knowing the word, but also being doers of the word. Matter of fact, I got a moment. Go with me to the book of James, James chapter one. Let's go there for a moment. And I want to show you something that really stands out to me here. All right. James chapter one, um, verses 22 through 25 from the English Standard Version. Look at this. James chapter one, verse 22 through 25. I'm gonna give you a moment to find it because this here shows and gives a foundation, a New Testament foundation to where we are about to go, all right? James chapter one, verse 22 through 25. English Standard Version says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. Mm. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. In other words, it's not enough for us to just hear the word of God, but it's something else. Holiness is the means by which we not only hear it, but we do it. Look at why. James said that when one is only a hearer, it's almost like a man who stands himself in front of a mirror, looks at what he sees in the mirror, walks away from the mirror, and forgot what he just saw. In other words, if I stand up in front of the mirror and see a spot on my shirt, the mirror is going to tell me, it's going to reveal to me that there's a spot on my shirt. That's what the Word of God does. The word of God reveals to me that there's a spot. Y'all understand what I'm saying? But here's what happens. I've got a choice once I see the spot. The choice is either I change the shirt or I keep going with the shirt and deal with everything I'm going to encounter because not only do I see the spot, everybody else who encounters me sees the spot. See, that's, that's what separates us between principles and practice. I'm back to the original point. Because when you only operate on principle, James said you walk away from the mirror, you see what needs to be fixed, and then you forget what you just saw. And may I say this to us, beloveds, that's what's happening in the church even now. Sad but true. We have gotten to a point that we see things that need to be dealt with. 
But because we don't want to ruffle any feathers or we don't want to compromise our preference or we don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, we don't want to say anything. That, and what does that do for us? That sets us up for further embarrassment. Why? When I see the spot and don't do anything about it, and you see the spot and tell me you, you got a spot on your shirt. After a while, guess what's going to happen? It's going to get on my nerves and I'm going to get tired of hearing you tell me. But he says, look what James says, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of freedom and perseveres. In other words, he's not only looking, but he keeps looking. In other words, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to look and I'm going to continue to look. I want to make sure my creases are right. I want to make sure my buttons are buttoned up. I don't want anything to come up that somebody sees it and it could prove itself embarrassing for me. That's what holiness does for us, beloveds. It's a matter of not only helping us see it, but then it helps us correct it. Holiness is a matter of principles, understanding what we do, but it is also a matter of practice, knowing how we do it. Now, there are a couple of scriptures that I want to show us uh, real quick. Uh, if you're following the handout, it's point number three in the introduction. There, there are a couple of scriptures that Paul, I'm sorry, Peter deals with in the writings of Peter we find the principles of, we find the matter of principle and practice. All right. Letter A from the handout is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 16, 18, and 19. I want to read, beginning, go back to verse 13. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 19. Look at what the word of God says. Here's the word of God. Therefore, Preparing your minds for action. Y'all see it? What do we do? Preparing our minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me read that one verse again. Therefore, based upon everything that I have already said in the first 12 verses of 1 Peter chapter 1, I would almost challenge you to read the entire chapter. Um, first Peter chapter one, therefore preparing your minds, being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at this verse 14 as obedient children, you're seeing the principle do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy. So you also be holy in your conduct, for it is written, be, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Verse 16 is the principle. You shall be holy, for I am holy. God is holy. Verse 17, and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold. Come on, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ. Look at how we were made holy with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. In other words, y'all, I may not be what I ought to be, but I am so glad I'm not what I used to be. Amen goes right there. I may not be everything I should be, but I understand the principle. And since I understand the principle, then I have to be able to move into practice. How is that done? How is it done? Peter said it begins with a changing of the mind. That's where principles live. That's where instruction lives in your mind. In other words, here it is. Get your mind right. 
<laughs> Amen. Let me say that one more time. Get your mind right. If you really want to move into a place of practicing true holiness, it begins in the mind. Philippians chapter two, verse five says, but let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. I won't preach this one of these days and I want to dissect that passage altogether because many times we miss a very powerful point in that particular verse of scripture. Let this mind, let this thinking, let this perception be in you which was also in Christ. What about Christ? Jesus was in the form of God, but chose not to be equal with God. Even he understood who he was, but he did not allow himself to become more than his father. Mm. And took upon himself, made himself of no reputation. In other words, Jesus himself was not concerned about being a superstar. God Almighty, this is good. And true holiness basically says, I'm not concerned about who people say I am. I'm not concerned with what people think I am. True holiness says, I desire to be everything God wants me to be. So we see the principle in 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, while you're there, jump over with me to 1 Peter chapter number 2. And in 1 Peter chapter number 2, let's look real quick at verses 9 through 15. And here we will see the practice of holiness from a New Testament standpoint. All right? 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 through 15, English Standard Version says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Where is the practice there, pastor? It's in the word proclaim in verse nine. In other words, once you know who you are, what are you going to do with who you are? You may proclaim the excellencies. In other words, true holiness says, let me give glory and let me give honor where honor is due. Amen. Verse 10, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 11, beloveds, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of your flesh. Y'all see this? Y'all see this? I urge you. Y'all, there it is right there, y'all. True, true holiness is a matter of adjustment. It's a matter of adjustment. I urge you to abstain from the passions of your flesh, which wage war against your soul. Verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Mm, there it is. There it is. Verse 13, be subject to the, for the Lord's sake to every institution. Here's the practice. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Verse 15 y'all for this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people in other words true holiness basically says for me to remain respectful to remain nice to give honor where honor is due no matter how they treat me I got to remember who I represent People of God, let me talk to somebody here and tell us we must remember who we represent. We represent the kingdom. 
And in order to represent the kingdom, look at what he said. We got to be subject for the Lord's sake to every institution. For the sake of who he is and for the sake of who he is in me, I got to learn how to be nice to folks who aren't so nice to me. I got to learn how to be cordial to people. Now, let me say this because I feel it. Somebody's going to question me on this. Let me say it because I feel it and it needs to be said. Being cordial does not mean that you are a doormat to somebody else's disrespect. Teach J.T. Worthy. You are not, you are not required to be cordial to every man's disrespect. If they disrespect you, sometimes you just got to learn how to keep your mouth shut. Sometimes you just got to learn how to walk away and pray. Sometimes you got to learn how Psalm 46 verse 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. There it is right there. This is the will of God that by doing good, y'all see this? By doing good, look at what you do. You put to silence the ignorant of foolish people. Let me throw verse 16 and 17 in for free. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Verse 17, honor everybody, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the emperor. Practical holiness in the New Testament. See, see, we think holiness is speaking in tongues and knowing scripture and, 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 and singing and dancing till, till we just go, go out. No, that's not holiness. Holiness is a way of life that must be practiced. Can I say that again? Holiness is a way of life that must be practiced. And let me say this to the church because I need to make sure we understand that holiness is not revealed in what you have on. Holiness is not revealed on how many Sundays you're in church. Holiness is not revealed by how many scriptures you can quote from memory because I know people, let me say it like I feel it, holiness basically says that I'm gonna live out the scripture that I quote. What good is it for us to call ourselves Christians but be mean? and be nasty, and be embittered. What, what, what are we accomplishing? What sort of picture do we paint for the world? You know, if, if, if I remember an old cliche that said, if everybody in my church was just like me, what kind of church would my church be? What kind of church it would, would St. James be if everybody was just like you? Now that, that sinks deep. Those of you who are joining us across God's great globe, no matter what church you are a part of, think about that for a moment. What kind of church would your church be if everybody in the church was just like you? If everybody in the church acted like you? If everybody in the church had the same action, attitude, and atmosphere that you do? What would the church be like? This is why holiness has got to be more than speaking in tongues and singing and shouting and dancing. How are you living? Come on, somebody. And I know I've left the message, but I'm hearing God today, so I'm just going to follow what God is sharing. How are you living, beloveds? How are you living? Are you living at a point that the world can see Christ in you and be drawn closer to him? That's the thing. We got to not only just have the principles, beloved, we got to be able to do the practice. It's not enough for me to just know scripture. I got to then ask God to order my steps and then I've got to be scripture. The Bible says that I must be an oracle, a mouthpiece of God. But at the same time, I've got to be a living epistle. In other words, my life is a living letter of who God is. So now that we understand that holiness is a matter of principle and practice, our lesson is divided into those two sections, the principles of holiness and the practices of holiness. Now, we're going to spend a great deal of time dealing with the practices. The principles of holiness are actually found in chapter 17. And for the time that is mine to share, there are um, about four of them that I want to share with us 
uh, very quickly. All right. Uh, for the remaining time that I have, I'm going to share these four principles of holiness that are found in chapter 17. Now, before I get there, let me share with you that Leviticus chapter 17 is a strange chapter. It's a chapter that talks a lot about animal blood and how the Old Testament people of God were to think of and treat animal blood. All right. Now, the question already has been brought to me uh, from someone who read ahead. Why would God take a whole chapter about worship and private morality dealing with the subject of blood? The question was posed, why did he deal with blood and take a whole chapter to deal with it? Well, you got to go back to the book of Genesis to understand this. All right. Remember in the book of Genesis, when, when Cain killed Abel, Moses recorded in the book of Genesis that when Cain did it, God said to him that Abel's blood cried out to him from the ground. All right. At that moment, you remember that when Noah came on the scene, we then began to see that God gave instructions, strict instructions pertaining to blood. So throughout the Old Testament, blood is significant. Now, for those who will say, okay, well, pastor, help me understand that in relation to the New Testament. Glad you said that. Because when it comes to blood, blood is just as important in the New Testament as in the Old. Because throughout the New Testament, we are told, we are told that without the shedding of blood, there would be no remission. There would be no payment for sin. All right. And because it was the blood of goats and bulls that were offered last week in chapter 16 as the payment for sin, chapter 17 actually shows us why that blood should be respected. Make it live in New Testament words, pastor. Be glad to. New Testament has us understand that blood is simply just as important, but it is not the blood of goats and bulls. Rather, it's the blood of one person, the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is a cleanser. The blood of Christ washes away our sin. So let's deal with it. The principles of holiness, Leviticus chapter 17. All right. Only 16 verses here. And I'm going to walk through all 16 in my remaining time today. So I want to begin to develop a picture of the principles of holiness so that we can begin to see why the practice of holiness, once you got it, once you know what to do, then you'll understand how it should be done. Here's the first of the four principles that I want to share. Principle number one, letter A under point number one, holiness involves giving up our ways for his ways. Mm, there's a typo there. That, that pastor was typing too fast. Holiness involves giving up our ways for his ways. Look with me at verses one through seven. In Leviticus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, we find these words. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the people of Israel and say to them, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Remember I said earlier that I would show you that chapter 17 was a transitional chapter? It's only because these two verses here are also recorded in chapter 16. Chapter 16, verses 1 and 2 are the exact same words. All right? Let's carry on. Verse 3. If anyone of the house of Israel kills an ox or a lamb or a goat in the camp or kills it outside the camp and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it as a gift to the Lord in front of the tabernacle of the Lord, blood guilt shall be imputed to that man. Mm, he has shed blood. And that man shall be cut off from his people. This is to the end that the people of Israel may bring their sacrifices that they sacrifice in the open field. 
that they may bring them to the Lord, to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting and sacrifice them as sacrifices of peace offerings to the Lord. And the priest shall throw the, throw the blood on the altar of the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting and burn the fat for a pleasing aroma unto the Lord. So they shall no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons after whom they whore. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. Now, again, we've already dealt with verses one and two, all right? And we understand what verses one and two being the natural introduction to which God tells him, look, make sure that they understand, all right? But in verses three through seven, we are told in no uncertain circumstances that the people of God in the wilderness are not to slaughter domestic animals that have not been approved by God to be used for sacrifices either inside or outside of the camp unless they bring them to the tabernacle for the priests to slaughter. All right. Now, now I know y'all are wondering why that is. Stick with me. I'm going to take it. I'm going to show you that. But again, what we see here in the first point is understanding that true holiness involves following instruction. All right. That's what the first 16 chapters have been about. It's about making sure, as we've said it before, that you do it God's way. He said that any man who brings an animal and does not offer it as a sacrifice, you will be guilty of the blood of that animal. In other words, you would have slaughtered, you would have murdered that animal if it is not offered as a sacrifice. All right. Now, to understand why. All right. Let's look at verses eight and nine which really give us the second point that I want to share with us today. Holiness not only involves giving up our ways for his ways, but secondly, holiness involves giving in the right spirit or the right attitude. It's not just understanding that we should give. That's the principle. The practice is making sure that we give in the right spirit. Let's look at it. Verses eight and nine, verses eight and nine. And you shall say to them, anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them, who offers a burnt offering or sacrifice and does not bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting to offer it to the Lord, that man shall be cut off from his people. Lord have mercy. Apparently, according to verse seven, the Israelites, some of the Israelites had been offering what the Bible describes as goat demons. All right. Which were, according to verse seven, an act of spiritual prostitution. Mm, an act of spiritual prostitution. That's why verse seven says, after whom they whore, the spiritual prostitution. In other words, look at this. You are using and abusing something that does not belong to you for your own benefit. Amen. And anybody who offered the sacrifice without anybody who offered a sacrifice without bringing it to the tent of meeting to be sacrificed to the Lord was guilty of this sin. All right. We're going to see that a little bit later um, in, in verse 10 and in verse 14. We're going to see it. And God says, Moses, tell Aaron to tell the people that if they don't honor me by offering what they have killed as a sacrifice, they are not only guilty of blood, but he said, I will cut you off from the people. Mm. Y'all see it? Anybody seeing where I'm going? Anybody seeing the revelation here? It's not just enough, y'all, for us to know what needs to be done. It's not just enough. Can I say it like I feel it? It's not just enough to do things for a form and a fashion and an outside show to please and impress people. 
What good is it for me to preach and teach God's word and never allow that word to work on my heart, my mind, my attitude, my actions, and my atmosphere? I got to let the word work on me because if the word doesn't work on me, I cannot expect the word to, that I give from God to work on you. Amen. Amen. It goes a little bit further. Point number three. All right. We've said that holiness involves giving up our ways for his ways. Holiness involves giving in the right spirit and the right attitude. Well, in verses 10 through 13, holiness also involves living in purity. Living in purity. Let's, let's look at it. Let's look at it. Verses uh, 10 through 13. Let's look at what he says. Verses 10 through 13. If anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. God ain't playing, y'all. It's not enough. The first, first piece, look at it there. The first piece has to do with the improper worship. All right. Then now he says, look. <laughs> I need you to have a deeper respect, not only for worship, but even for life. I need you to have a deeper respect for life. Look at it. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Verse 11. And I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Mm, this is important. This is important because here what we see God giving Moses is to why the children of Israel are not to uh, drink or eat of the blood. There it is. If anyone of the house of Israel, go back to verse 10, sojourns among them, eats any blood, God says, I'll turn my face against you. In other words, he basically says, I will act like I don't know you. Why? The life of the creature is in the blood. If there's no blood in the body, guess what? There's no life. Let me make it live for you. Have you ever noticed those of us who have given blood that there's a period right after we given blood that they have us sit? And, 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 and eat cookies and drink sort of thing, soda and that sort of thing, juice and that sort of thing, because they're trying to make sure that that moment after we give blood, we are not weak and pass out. Come on now. The life of the flesh is where? In the blood. I've given it for you on the altar, right? Verse 12. Therefore, have I said to the people of Israel, y'all see it there? No person among you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger who sojourns among you eat blood. Anyone also of the people of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them, who takes in hunting any beast or bird that it may be eaten, you've got to pour out its blood on the earth. Amen. Now we're dealing with the handling of an animal, which really leads me to the last point of, of, of chapter 17, of point number one, the principles of holiness. We said that the principles of holiness involves giving up our ways for his ways. Holiness involves giving in the right spirit, the right attitude. Holiness involves living in purity. Here's the fourth one, and we're going to wrap up for today. Holiness involves understanding the consequences of, of disobeying, rather, God's instructions. Let's, let's look at it real quick. Let's look at it real quick. The last verses of chapter 17, verses 14 through 16. We've already dealt with chapter 13, verse 13, rather. For the life of the creature is its blood. Its blood is its life. Therefore, I have said to the people of Israel, you shall not eat the blood of any creature. Whoever eats it shall be cut off. Mm. And every person who eats what dies of itself or what is torn by beast, 
whether he is a native or a sojourner, shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. Then he shall be clean. Verse 16, but if he does not wash them or bathe his flesh, he shall bear their iniquity. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. Y'all see what, what's happening here. All right. If you can't kill the domestic animal, Moses says that, look, you shouldn't even bother it. If you kill it, you're guilty. But look with me again at verse 15 and 16. He sets it up. He says that if a person ate the animal that died of natural causes, or had been killed by another animal, that person, go all the way back to chapters 14 and 15, was unclean until evening, and he had to ceremonially bathe. All right? We, we must understand, beloveds, that God is basically telling us a few things. All right? What he's basically setting before us here is to make sure we understand and never forget the command that is recorded in the Ten Commandments of Exodus chapter 20. Thou shall have no other gods before me. It's, it's, it's very practical, but how does it apply here? This is how it applies to them. Basically, what he's saying to them is everything that has come with the shedding of blood this far has been to worship me, to honor me. All right. We're dealing with the history of the nation of Israel. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy deal with the basic history of the nation of Israel. And God wants to remind them to never forget who it was that brought you out of bondage, brought you out of slavery, brought you out of what he brought you out of. Don't you ever put anything before me when I brought you out. Those are the principles of holiness. True holiness is a lifestyle that honors God for where he brought you from and where he's taking you to. True holiness, true holiness is not what we do in the sanctuary, but how we live outside the sanctuary. I hear my daddy now. It's, it's not how you shout in church, but it's how you walk when the shout is over. And so, of course, my time is up. Short, powerful lesson as we have dealt with the, the principles of holiness. The four principles holiness involves. We got to give up our ways. It's a matter of surrender. All right. It's a matter of surrender. Secondly, it's a matter of living with the right spirit. You can't call yourself holy and be nasty. You can't call yourself holy and be arrogant. You can't call yourself holy and talk to folk any kind of way and treat any folk any kind of way. I know they hurt your feelings and I know they upset you and I know they made you mad, but you're bigger than that. You represent the kingdom. Amen, somebody. Holiness involves living in purity, sanctity, sanctimonious, sanctified. And then third, fourth and finally, holiness involves understanding that there are consequences when we disobey God's instructions. We gotta do it his way. So of course, as we've wrapped up chapter 17, next week we're gonna dive into chapter 18 and we're gonna travel through chapter 22 as we deal with the practice of holiness, understanding the practice of holiness. I pray that you have seen, and it was quite a short chapter, relatively strange chapter that dealt with blood, but I pray that you see the lesson behind the principle. Understand it, beloveds, that if blood had to be shed for them and blood had to be shed for us, we must make sure that we properly respond and we act accordingly 
to those who shed his blood for us. So, of course, as always, if you have any questions from Leviticus chapter 17, please feel free to drop those questions in the comment section. Um, I'll be more than happy to see your questions there and we'll be glad to answer them to the best of my ability. The Lord shall say the same next week. We'll continue in this lesson of practical holiness. Uh, we're going to get into chapter 18 and travel through chapter 22. There are some 12 uh, principles or 12 keys as it relates to practicing holiness. Um, that I pray that you will connect with us and learn from as we walk through the word of God. We thank God for this opportunity. We are grateful for this privilege. Um, in the way of announcements, St. James Family, a few announcements very quickly. Uh, do not forget, uh, St. James Family, parents, first of all, please make sure that you have our children in rehearsal this evening at 630. Youth Choir rehearses this evening. Um, at 6.30 p.m., please, ma'ams and sirs, bring our children out for choir rehearsal as they get ready to bless us uh, the second Sunday in February. Also, don't forget um, Cyber Sunday School replays tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. Don't forget, first and foremost, midweek prayer on the telephone conference line Wednesday at 12 noon. Uh, certainly invite you to join Minister Stephanie and the, uh, the others who are connecting for prayer um, don't forget New Testament Word Walk Thursday morning at 1130 and Thursday evening at 7 p.m. as we continue to walk through God's Word together. Um, again, St. James family, as we announced this past Sunday, we're preparing our next pictorial project here at the church. Uh, we began taking auxiliary pictures uh, this Sunday at the close of worship those of you whose names were called on Sunday, uh, please be prepared on Sunday at the close of worship for the photographers to take your group pictures uh, so that we can be prepared. Of course, um, Sunday begins Black History Month, and we are celebrating Black History Month. Each Sunday is a different emphasis. Of course, first Sunday being Communion Sunday. The second Sunday, uh, we are representing HBCUs and the Divine Nine. Uh, invite you to wear something that represents the HBCUs as well as those members who are the, of the Divine Nine. We invite you to come um, in your paraphernalia representing the Divine Nine. Um, third Sunday, of course, is Old Fashioned Sunday. Ladies, bring out the hats. Bring out the gloves. Brothers, bring out your bib overalls and black jackets. We're going to go back. Uh, to the old time way. I understand someone said to me, or asked me rather, Pastor, can I bring my washboard? Bring it. Let's go back a little bit on the third Sunday. Um, and then on the fourth Sunday is Afrocentric Sunday. We wear our various colors representing our culture and our history. So I want to invite you to join us in those Sundays in the month of February. Also, finally, don't forget, Lent begins on Valentine's Day. February 14th through March 30, um, Lent begins. And so for those of you who are in-house, you should have received a copy of our Bible reading plan for Lent. If not, uh, the information now appears on the screen as to how you can access it via that QR code. Our daily Bible readings that begin February 14th through um, March 30, not counting Sundays. Remember, Lent is Monday through Saturday, and Sundays are used as a means of celebration. So I ask, beloveds, that you grab that and uh, join us as we take a journey through the Gospel of Mark uh, through this Lenten season. Again, beloveds, thank you for joining us for this time of walking through the Word. Our prayers go out to all of those who are sick, shut in, uh, those families whose hearts are sad in bereavement. Our thoughts and prayers are with you. Let's get ready to go now by closing with a word of prayer. Gracious God, our Father, we say thank you for this time that you've given us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the richness of your word. And God, I say thank you today for allowing your word to come to life to me so that I might attempt to rightly divide it before your people. God, I realize that even though the grass may wither and the flowers may fade, your word will stand forever. So God, I pray that all that has been done and said today is found pleasing in your sight and to the glory of your name. This is my prayer. I offer it now in the name of he who was, he who is, 
and he who is to come, our Lord and Savior Jesus, we pray and we praise. Amen, amen, and amen. Blessings upon all of you is our prayer. It is my will, but it's got to be the will of God. We will be together next Tuesday as we continue to learn more about the standards of practical holiness. Until such time, be blessed, be safe, and know as always, beloved, we love you all.